Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Nintendo Way Shab for the week of March 17th, 2016. I am Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining me once again is Per Schneider. Hi, Jose. And we have two very special guests in the house, all the way from Japan. Very special. Mark McDonald. Hello. John nice Riccardi. Hi. How are we doing? Very good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having Sleepy? us. Always. Always. Uh, I'm okay. Good time to sleep. Well, yeah. you have that whole spring forward thing going on. No. So you guys must be exhausted. <laughs> it's hard enough to keep track of the time difference, yeah, but the daylight savings, come on, get rid of it. I'm still tired. <laughs> get rid of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. The other day I had to wake up really early and did not like it, but we have a lot of things we're going to talk about on the show that we do like, oh. starting with, hopefully we Segway. like this first thing, which is Mitomo is out in Japan. Right. And you guys, being the the experts in Japan and games, in Japanese games, are go. here to hopefully just help us get a better understanding, uh, I think. So this thing's in full English, but it was only chosen to be released in Japan. It actually is going to support 11 languages. I don't know if all 11 are supported, but I used it on an English uh, or American iPhone. Or right. excuse me, yeah, it's... an American iPhone, but set to a Japanese store, which is what folks are doing. Right. right. But let's talk about Mitomo impressions. This is the guy to talk to uh, right to my left. Here. I downloaded it last night at like, I don't know, two in the morning after co- three in the morning after coming back or from our party or whatever and like played it I woke up after sleeping three hours and played it for like two hours this morning wow I don't have a lot to say but it's really fun like it's 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 uh, it's Tomodachi life mm-hmm. like in compact form like yeah. more so than I thought I'm surprised they didn't like say that more when they were advertising and stuff maybe they didn't want to draw too they much worried, parallel right? but yeah. yeah but it's very much like a uh, like mini capsule version of Tomodachi Life. Yeah, so saw- that's really interesting because I thought I thought it was more of a kind of a connectivity chat like share app 
And so you saying that you played it for two hours, does that mean two hours straight you're messing with it? And there was yeah. enough gameplay for you to, to mess well, around? Well, it's not a game. It's I not think well, that's the thing we gotta, we gotta focus or, on here. Yeah. But yeah, you're I doing mean, but, something for two hours. Yeah. yeah Whereas, totally. like, yeah. on Facebook or Twitter, you, you're not gonna spend two hours. Just right. Well, you know, when you're first starting out, you're just exploring all the different things it offers and kind of checking all the different options and everything and, like, connecting. It's very well connected to social, like, social media, which I, is, mm. you know, good to see because you never know if Nintendo's gonna get that right or not, right? Yeah, but right. Like, uh, you, you connect to Facebook and you connect to Twitter and Im- immediately anyone else who's connected their Miitomo, like you can friend them. Like, yeah, and so it send gives them you a request. Huge amount of people to add. So like most of those two hours was like requests coming in, requests yeah. going mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, messing around with the initial like, so what you do is when you start it up, you um, you import your Mii or you make a Mii. You could take a picture of yourself and, and do that if you want, which never really looks like you, but oh, it's kind of fun uh, But to mess the, with. the options keep coming. Like it's really funny. The longer you keep the camera at your face, it's just like, yeah, Here's yes. another one. Here's another. Yeah, that was actually really interesting. Twenty variants on if your. You just face. hold it there. It will keep doing it over, and everyone looks different. Which was, is what does that mean? You know, was yours auto created or? Uh, mine was auto created, but I tweaked it because oh, okay. it initially gave me this the, the most uh, Asian eyes you have ever seen. Yeah. I was like, no, nope. pretty good. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say because yeah. yours look pretty accurate. So mm. I'm yeah, I thought so if too. It was auto made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have. I mean, I had this really great me that our our, our coworker Hiroko made of me a few years back, but that was when my hair was like there. So I just basically kept that and put a hat on, and it looks uh-huh. the same. Okay, there you go. There you go. But you know, you make your me and then you basically answer a few questions you do the exact same voice thing that you do in Tomodachi Life where like you you it, you say a few things and pick your personality it's all the same exact thing yeah. maybe with oh, just really? a different UI yeah yeah no the, the way you, you have the personality uh, sliders like basically yeah but yeah. now it's sliding on sort of a, a, a graph like a yeah. like it's more oh, visual the and Japanese s- like a yes star yeah. graph thing where exactly where you're pulling exactly yeah and you then you, it, it spits about. out a personality and if you're unhappy with that just go back and make some adjustments um, so mine ended up being outgoing and charming, which is totally not true, but I'll Mine take too. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I That's guess just I need default to default for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you want to feel good about in. it. Oh, did I'm... you not know the Japanese for belligerent? Oh, was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but the thing I spent two hours doing was just going through and answering questions, and then watching the responses that would stack up underneath other people's yeah. uh, responses. And I found that interesting, but it did become less fulfilling the longer I did it because. I wasn't getting feedback. I was giving other people feedback and seeing the feedback that formed. So mm-hmm. basically, when you answer a question, mm-hmm. your friends can find out the answer to that question that you gave. So for example, what's your favorite food? Or or like, what's your favorite TV show? What's Do hot right now? Do they have to answer themselves in order to see your answer? Well, if they answer it, you're able to find out their answer, and that leads you to the comments section of here's those responses to that answer. So mm-hmm. for example, comments and likes kind of like on a Facebook post. You can like something or you yeah. can comment on it. You can get a heart or you can comment. You're allowed up to three speech bubbles full of uh, of text it seems. So you can give a, a, a pretty long answer. Um, it's got the Vocaloid thing going so it's, you know, pronouncing, oh, it does. It's pronouncing yeah, everything. Like, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, Better Call Saul is amazing. <laughs> yeah, like you, you get like something like that. And then, uh, but what, what struck me is that I really liked finding out other people's responses and then kind of saying something back but what I did notice is first of all you're only allowed to communicate towards friends I mean that's been clear from the beginning but you're Mm -hmm. able to see your friends' friends. So Their I will see so yeah, what they had to say, but you can't enter or interact with them at all. It's just like, well, this is not your friend, so you're not allowed to talk to them. Yeah, mm. so if you, um, you find someone, you're like, oh, I know that person, you cannot make the connection. You too have bad. to first make the connection on social media. Yeah, on Twitter or, or Facebook. Or be in the same room? Oh, or be in the same really? room. Yeah. That's the other way huh. to do it. Yeah, you both hit a symbol and you can friend each other right there. Uh, so it'll show sort of, uh, you know how they had the card suite uh, for um, when you pair a Wii U gamepad to a Wii U system? Mm-hmm. It's basically yeah. the same thing. You're both in right. the same room and you hit the same symbol okay. and you're able to. Yeah. 
yeah. to be friends. The thing I found that's really interesting, so I added a bunch of people, and you know, a lot of the people I added were friends in Japan who were playing it in Japanese. Um, but like, it's kind of extended outside the game too. We've got like a line chat going. Line is like the the messaging app that everyone in Japan uses, and people are just sending the pictures they made on Mitomo to each other over Line, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting. Is that. it connected, or do you save the picture and then? No, you can save it, it, share it. You, you can, can do all save that. it to your phone and just share it that way. But you but also can directly use Line, line or chat. Twitter or okay. anything. Yeah, yeah. Or it's Instagram. Pretty, it's pretty well connected yeah, in yeah. that yep. way. Email, Twitter, um, Facebook. Yeah. And so I was wondering, you know, I'm answering stuff in English, but they're going to see their stuff in Japanese most likely. I was like, how's that going to work? Are they going to see it? Is it going to translate? Obviously, oh, it doesn't translate. I got an answer. They'll see stuff in English. But the interesting thing is, like, the voice, if you, if they're, uh, like, you know, the voice does the auto thing. But whenever Japanese words come up, it just goes, ah, 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 for, like, every Japanese character. That's it, yeah. So it's kind of weird. So the question is localized, but the answer <laughs> is, is, is... like, the count? Ah, ah. It's just, like, that's, that's the, like, universal noise for not a thing in your language, you know what I mean? Wow. Um, which is really, it's kind of, actually turns out to be kind of funny, but it, but it's kind of a weird Yeah, but thing. I'm still wondering what uh, so-and-so said about, like, pizza. I'm just like, well, well I don't know. Okay, right. fine. No, but it localizes the question. It will not localize the answer. And uh, it's still got all the Nintendo potty filters you can think of so you can't like go saying anything it localizes a question because the because question the is question not for being everybody. provided by your friends the yeah. question is being provided by, by the program that's correct oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so yeah. is there like tomodachi life is there like this idea where your me's go on adventures while you're not there sort no. of thing they do uh, visit each other. People come over. Yeah, you talk about that. People come over. Well, yeah, I just I noticed I turned it on and it's like um, your me is visiting, you know, Kyle or something, and then it's like well, you can call them back or you can I think you can maybe see what's going on there. I didn't try it. Yeah, I just no. Like, uh, yeah, so they come over. There's a thought bubble just like Tomodachi Life, and you can you can tap it and then get a question or, or hear something that they have to tell you. Sometimes they tell you inside stuff, so it's like just between us. Hmm. What do you think of? I don't know, to insert something here. Um, and you would then, that answer only exists between you and that other person, and it's not shared as a comment section mm. for everyone. And there's something with candy, too. I haven't messed with the candy much, but I got to a point where, like, because you can keep, you, like, someone will say something. You can view their comment about whatever, and then it's, like, more. And you can hit it and just get another comment about another person, mm. and you can just keep doing this as long as you want. Yeah. But at one point, I hit one where, it, like, there's a little candy icon, and I couldn't do it unless I had candy to give this person. So yeah. I don't know how that works. Uh, I don't know if you mess with that no, much. No, I, okay. but I know, so you earn candy from playing the one part of this app that is a game which is called uh, Mitomo Drop. Right. And it's basically a big, like, think of a, a, a Japanese, um, basically, a, I don't know, not a claw machine, but basically you're dropping something and if it lands on a platform, there are a bunch of bumpers all over the place and it plinko. bounces all around. A plinko, thank you. It drops on a, on a platform. Pachinko in Japan, Pachinko. but plinko for our Price is Right uh, listeners. <laughs> there you go, and the price <laughs> is right. It, yeah. But if you land on the, on the, on the slab, you get the item that is basically there. So it's a pair of pants or a special they did hat. It interesting way of like gamifying the kind of gotcha thing from Japan you know to make it a little mm -hmm. more like entertaining and a little more I, I guess a little more skill based it's still pretty hard you gotta get yeah. lucky but um, they turned it into more of a game thing and like the sound effects are all cool I was telling Mark like it's I think it was from like NES pinball or something but there's yeah. very clear classic Nintendo sound oh, yeah, effects when great. you're playing this yeah. it's, it's pretty and cool the, and the best elevator music you over here like it's just funny how uh, they use like Nintendo's really good at the fun. elevator <laughs> yeah. and, like idle I'm playing, music yes. I'm playing Picross 2 which is all elevator music ah. the whole time <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. But so how much money have you spent? I haven't. In fact, I haven't found I haven't. a way to spend money yet. Okay. I was looking for that. Oh. So in the shop, huh. I, I was one. I don't know this, so this is very misinformed. I'm just wondering if maybe you can't buy stuff unless you run out of coins or something? No, so you can. So um, 
I, I hope I get it. this right because I, I did find it, but it was it was sort of not clear at first. But yeah, so as you play this, uh, as you as you use this app, I don't want to call it play this game because it's not a game. It feels so weird to call it that. Um, but as you're using this thing, you're earning me me Tomo coins, and those coins could be spent on outfits. You also earn game tickets, which is what you use as a free chance to play me Tomo Drop. Right. If you don't have game tickets for me Tomo Drop, you can use me Tomo coins for the drop. But if you have no coins and you want this outfit or to do something that requires a lot of coins, you can buy more at a certain exchange rate. And I think it's by hitting the amount, the coin amount at the top that they show. Uh, if you just tap that okay. orange button, I think it's in an orange button, it takes you then to the exchange rate of here is this for how much yen, etc. None mm. of that is priced in English. The it's stuff only that's priced for Japan. on sale right now is what? Is like outfits for your... Outfits Mies for your means, yeah. They, they told us that objects. the rotation will change every day. It's only outfits. It's not anything for your room. So unlike oh, Tomodachi outfits. Life, you mm. don't customize your environment. You yeah, only customize anyway, what you wear. Because it seems to me like that would be a huge, that would be a great way to upgrade the game. Because I would want to customize my, yeah. my, my yeah. room. No, it seems cool like very limiting in how, yeah. I mean, it's a free-to-play app. They need people to be buying yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, how cool was seeing the, the trailer to Tomodachi Collection for 3DS when it was first announced. And uh, they had a room that was all Nintendo themed. It's like, yeah, oh, of course right. I'd buy that. Right. Like, you that's know sooner or later one. they have to sell and then they'll sell like every cartridge that you can have in your room yeah. separately get you to rebuy those games again uh, one more way. <laughs> Even though you can't play it there, like, you well, just and then see the Well, then there's my Nintendo, right? The launched alongside this. So did you look at the rewards for that thing or how that works? Because you earn these platinum coins right. for my Nintendo and you're basically able to cash them in after you hit certain amounts, clearly. And some of the stuff is like things... Okay, so one of them was the my Nintendo Picross Twilight Princess Edition, whatever, but for 3DS. Um, another was... WarioWare touched, ported for 3DS, but you can't buy that, like, outside of using those platinum coins. You wow. know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. It's like WarioWare touched got ported to 3DS? Stuff. Like, what? It's kind of like, probably like Club Nintendo Awards. They had yeah. games like that every now and then, especially in Japan, mm. that you could only get that way. I hadn't looked at them, but I, I will say, to get those platinum coins, there's essentially an achievement system in the game. And the That's achievements right. are like, you know, get five likes uh, from in one day, or make ten friends in one day, or whatever. It's very basic stuff, yeah. but it's a way to kind of, it's another way to kind of gamify the the app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it sounds pretty smart. I mean, that, like everything you're saying, it sounds like it has the makings of a hit in Japan for sure. I think so. It's very yeah. clear that they have done their homework too because the like the Mitomo drop thing is absolutely like their version of a gotcha system. And, you know, there are like, um, like for right now, I think it's to like April 10th or something is like the first. So you buy stuff in the shop. Like like Jose was talking about, but then you can also get like uh, there's stuff you can only get via Mitomo Drop, like these cat ear things. Like there's certain mm-hmm. like outfits. It's like this game's or this app's version of like you know if you're playing uh, Puzzle and Dragons or Monster Strike or one of those games, you know they have like exclusive like sets. Like uh, th- this week we have this series of monsters that you can only get or whatever. It's like that except it's like items for your character basically. Yeah, and you can imagine where this goes. I mean, you guys already brought up rooms, right? Like eventually, like if this is a success, you know, they'll think about extending the value and they'll add things like rooms probably. But, you know, the big thing for an application like Snapchat is geolocation stuff. Mm -hmm. Where like if you're in San Francisco, you get a filter that is unique to San Francisco and then, then it, gets to be a really so, special experience, uh, I yeah. think. Fun fact, this is a Yoshio Sakamoto joint. I don't know if that's been oh, public nice. yet, but hmm. we asked, and they mm-hmm. said, yeah, they wouldn't tell us how big the team size was or how long they've been working on it. And we also asked them, have you identified the other four like projects you're sort of working on? Like, how many are sort of coming along? Like, where are they? Yeah, mobile yeah. yeah. It, you don't have to tell me what they are. Just, are like, have you identified the four games you want to do? And they didn't want to answer. They were really? like, nope, we're not <laughs> yeah, talking so about that. Yeah, that means that. yes. I mean, I mean, they must have, I mean, at <laughs> yeah, this point, right? If they're going to have, what are they, by the end of the year 
something, I think they said, or was uh, it? By the end of this, uh, the, the coming fiscal year. So okay, the, the so one that's going to start basically, basically 12 months from now, more or less. Yeah, yeah they'll yeah. have five applications, five games. Though, and, uh, you know, Kimishima has already been saying next one's a game and it's something that you're yeah. going to, you know, hopefully enjoy. I'm not quoting him directly, but sure. that's roughly what he was saying. So the one thing we don't know yet, uh, just to kind of wrap this up, I guess, is yep. like it's, 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 it's brand new. It's literally been out for hours. But um, so far, so good. It's very interesting. It's very entertaining. Like the interface is really well done. I feel like it's off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. But like with Tomodachi Life, too, that was amazing for like a couple of weeks. And then it suddenly was yep. like I, you fell off really yeah, quickly. Yeah. So we'll have to see how they can – whether this is a thing that keeps going. Hopefully or, they're doing the Splatoon plan where yeah. it's like, hey, every couple of weeks, drop a ma- drop something else. Right. Drop something in here. Changes keep making like this yeah. thing grow yeah. and be bigger. And that was tough to do on the 3DS, right? The 3DS is not a device that you can, you can up to, update everywhere you are and right. even there though like Fire Emblem has like a rollout for new maps right exactly. it's not like just here they all are it's all released over time so I think they took a hard look at like you know game makers on mobile like King and any of these guys that keep the platform going and keep on updating I, I totally expect that with this product too yeah, yep. Alright, so then moving on uh, this week the news that uh, Pokemon as a series has sold 200 million copies worldwide. That's it? That Well, for the mainline games, that's huge. Uh, 279 million if you count spinoffs, so that's cool. Um, and this is as of February 29th. Wow. This is, of course, the year that that series is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Um, I dug up your old review in EGM. That was awesome, yes. Yes, I found also that. Also terrifying. <laughs> Whenever people do that for Pokemon. OG like Pokemon. Yeah, I have to right read it over there. once and like make sure I'm, you know, otherwise I'm I'm going to have to take off from social media for like a month if it was oh, like God. a horrible review. But I had no idea what I said. off. it was I on point. <laughs> good, no, I thought good. it was, it was, I was, I mean, read, if you read it, I think it was I pretty yeah, much, you know, I, like I kind of, we kind of called it like we yeah, saw it yeah, and it turned yeah. out to be a big thing. Yeah. How cool. can, a billion Japanese people be wrong. We How have many? the Pokemon strategy guide, uh, Master Mark That's McDonald. Right. Uh, That's yeah. right. Yeah. I've since forgotten everything about all of the Pokemon. <laughs> you uh, call the, the Jinx a quote creepy mofo, perhaps <laughs> on a podcast. Okay, well I stand. I stand by that. It's good. <laughs> Mr. Right. Mime as well. Don't, right. Mr. Mime don't trust that creepy. guy. No. Yeah. All, all right. right. So then let's uh, move forward to the real reason I called you all here today is uh, Nintendo Wish at this podcast wants to resurrect something that you had a big hand in making happen, uh, which was uh, IGN ran a column called Hyrule Times because Zelda was such a a hot topic on the internet. And uh, that was your creation, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, it was. It, it was also Matt and I um, ran it, and I, I wrote most of the uh, the installments. It was also born out of the the realization that they weren't a lot of games coming, mm. and so you know we we could cover uh, you know a generic game from from Midway or who, who, you know any of the other kind of like dream team uh, dream team leftovers back then, <laughs> or we could say, hey, everybody wants to read about the Legend of Zelda because there's a new game coming out yeah. coming out. So let's really lean into the, the, the history of it. And it yeah, and yeah. so uh, that spawned in my head just us bringing that back as a segment that will hopefully nice. be its own thing on this That's podcast. Yeah, I used to love that. Uh, yeah. I used to love that. Oh, the Hyrule um, Times? Yeah, yeah. 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 Sweet. You guys 
got deep. You guys got detailed. And when when there aren't a lot of games coming out. Yeah. <laughs> right. She had a lot of free time back uh, back You're in like, background. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot yeah. going on in 64 land. Well, uh, reviews for a month. <laughs> so this will yeah. be our volume one of Hyrule Times. And what I want to talk about uh, specifically, because you guys were all in the press at the time, you know, sort of the road to the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I mean, because... You know, at that time, I still remember picking up EGM religiously. I actually still have the issue that has Link pulling the Master Sword out. I meant to bring it and forgot. The uh, uh, Hyrule Tattler, or what was the name of yeah, the it was a game tabloid style? Yeah, that was a great way of presenting all the stuff. There was so much to talk about with Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, it just chose this like tabloid format for like, there's something <laughs> in there about chickens. Uh, I, I, for, I forget, uh, but it was, yeah, it was a nice, nice little presentation, friend of the show, and Christian Boyer. You can tell, same, out. in the same boat, right? You had to come up with some way to talk about things that, almost like what Famitsu does, where mm. they have a bunch of screenshots and they get no information. And yeah, so that was the how, era. How will you wrap this up for the audience? Right, mm. yeah. Mm. Right. All right, so let's get into it. Like, what do you remember from that time, like, leading up to Zelda Ocarina of Time, a game that, like, is is a masterpiece, right? It's still considered the 10 out of 10 sort of game. Absolutely, yeah. Was that the first uh, platinum in EGM history that got all 10s? Uh, it was that or Metal Gear. I think they were like a month Metal apart Gear. from each other too, so That's I don't remember right. Metal which Gear, game first. I think Metal, Metal Gear, Gear did come out like a month earlier. It did that get was, all 10s. That was right when I came into the press, but you had been at EGM and you went to Space World where it was first I did. shown? I got to play the first ever playable version of that game at Space World. I... I want to say 97. Well, Probably it came out in 98, right? Yeah, so it must yeah, have been 97, yeah. yeah. And at the time, it had already been delayed a couple of times, but it was due to come out the following April. So this was before it got delayed again, if yeah. you guys remember. It had got delayed a number of times. And, uh, yeah, I got to play the playable demo. And actually, I uh, for the some anniversary recently, I went and dug up the article that I had written, I had to find the Internet Archive because the site that I wrote for was like videogames.com, which doesn't even mm-hmm. exist anymore. That was like pre-GameSpot, GameSpot. Yeah. And uh, that was like a long time ago. And I found Nuke? this. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Nuke, not quite that far. It was whatever EGM's like associated site was at yeah. the time. We had, we had changed, you know, yeah. a few times. And, uh, but I found it, and, and it had a really thorough, like, um, I'll send you a link later. I read a really thorough, like, kind of walkthrough of the demo. But um, do, do you remember what areas they showed back then? I'm trying to remember if I played that one. You know, I should have read it before I came on here. But um, there was three, like, uh, types of demos. There was, like, a dungeon demo where you fought, um, I think, Dodongo. And then there was, like, a field demo. And then there was, like, one other demo. I don't remember if it was town or what. They gave, yeah. like, three different experiences of the game. Was it so the rotating could... town? The The... Uh, you know, I honestly, it was one. It was either that or or uh, or you know, just the main village that you go to by Death Mountain. Um, I forget. Kakariko. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah, at this right. point which one it was. Um, I remember okay. the. I I think the first thing I played was the Dodongo fight. Mm. That, yeah. that sequence where you run away and then throw the bombs yep. and everything. That was one of the three things yeah, on there for sure. And I'm I'm trying to remember because it all blurs together when it's like it does. Yeah, it really that does. long ago. Um, but also I remember before then, before we got to actually play it. Um, you know, you just poured over every every screenshot that yep. came out. And there yeah. was a screenshot of Link obtaining the Triforce. Yeah, right? well, and which there were, never even happened in the game. Earlier, the, yeah, the, remember that there was super early movies. I mean, oh, I remember watching early internet, yeah. this big postage yes. stamp sized video, waiting, you know, 10 minutes for it to download, and then seeing like 15 seconds of, and at the time, completely blowing my mind just because it was polygons, but even compared to what it finally ended up being, it's I mean, it so looked like ugly garbage. It was super <laughs> so like early. shaded polygons, just but, all but 
a bunch of triangles. Like, <laughs> so was, there's, there's the Dark Knight Knights, the like heavy yeah. guys, right? The guys. There's a there was a a, a short scene of him clashing yes. with Link. Link yes. looks really bad. Yes. Yes. and that guy looks Super. like Metal Mario. He's got that yep. same but again on at him. the time. Like now, yeah. you look up at the time. Like, I was just metal. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was literally like sparks. the whole screen was an inch tall. Yes, so Link sparks. was like yeah. a half an well, inch it tall. It felt like a lot of anything that used metal that was a, a polygon. It was like show off that reflection. No, it had that N64 like silicon graphics effect on it. They used that wherever they could. Like water, they would do it sometimes. Just like a bunch of triangles like blocked together and and it was a look that was more like the Zelda 2 uh, Link, yes, not the yeah. one that we got, specifically yes. like the Super hair and the way it nose and everything. Yeah, yeah. and ears exactly. and all that. And then there was another screenshot that showed the dark forest with like um, uh, polygonal trees and uh, and a Poe flying around, which never made it into the game. But mm. like when I saw that screenshot, I'm like, oh my god, they can create an entire forest filled with trees, right. and Actually, you'll be they walking can't. through it for 30 minutes. <laughs> right. They probably thought that too. Right. right. <laughs> or we can make walls and paint trees on them. Exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, and hope for the best. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the Triforce chamber had water in it. You guys remember it had like the water reflections on the walls. Mm. And it was kind of like in a way they were showing the technology and what could happen with the game, but but not really what actually did. But yeah. I did remember very distinctly that Zelda 2 vibe. That made me very happy as mm-hmm. a big Zelda 2 fan. Because, like, yeah. even, like, the, I remember, I don't remember if it was a screenshot. It must have been. It wasn't a video, I don't think, of, like, Link walking. And there were, like, tall buildings on both sides. Yes. And it looked uh, very yeah. much like he was walking through a Zelda 2 town. You know, It was like, a big town, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, this is this is what I, I got me really excited <laughs> for the game. And if you remember, that time was also, you know, the, their... Like when the early stuff for the N64 came out, nobody knew exactly the power of the machine. Right. You know, and even when Super Mario 64 was already playable, I think a lot of developers didn't have a handle on yet, like how, you know, kind of fill rate, how can you, how can you um, develop something that runs smoothly? And another demo that was very much like Zelda was the, uh, the 3D Goemon game, the first one. Oh, so yeah, you guys yeah, remember yeah. that yep. one? Oh, yeah, of course. Right? course. Yeah, yeah. And that game, they showed a trailer, and it was so gorgeous. It was freaking amazing. And you could tell Konami wanted to make that and then started developing and said, oops, you can't right, do any right. of So this stuff. was like a target render, which it is was what a, we it was basically became to realize. A target and, yeah. and then, of course, the final game that came, came out, I think, doesn't get enough tra- uh, credit. because it, it was a fun it, game. It yeah. beat Zelda, and it was basically Zelda. They built a Zelda game with explorable areas, but it just struggled under the weight those, of what it was trying to do. Those poor Quest 64 guys were just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Quest 64. We just, we dream the dream the that will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was the, also the time we saw Fire of uh, Final Fantasy screenshots, right? Remember the really yep. kind of simple, super Final Fantasy characters. Seven. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, everything we saw then in screenshots was really exciting. And then once you got a sense of what Mario played like, you kind of put two and two together and you said, oh my God, if they can pull off Mario mm-hmm. in the Zelda universe, like something that feels that fluid and like you have full control and we all thought Link was going to be able to jump, right? Well, except for the time, jumping, right? right? I was going right. to bring that we up actually. So. When you when you yeah. heard that, that the, the idea that jumping would be just when you're running off a ledge it automatically jumps, that was just heresy yeah. at the time. <laughs> it was just like, what are you, how well, could how? you do that? It's yeah, so that's, that's going to ruin it. Yeah, yeah. that's totally awful. And yeah. then, Total non-issue, even among like super fans. The second that it you actually great. played yeah. it yourself, but it's 
But it's funny because I mean, jumping was not a staple element of most of the Zelda games, right? Like you had, Zelda it two. Two, Zelda right. two, yeah. you had it in two, and you True. know you had you had upgrades that let you do well, stuff. And then there was but being uh, in three D and after yeah. Mario too. It's just like how are you going to navigate this three D world? Well, yeah, and Link's you Awakening jump. had right. jumping as well, jump. like yeah. that. But yeah. the portable games always took risks and tried like weird things. But uh, I do want to point out, I read that in an issue of EGM, and I was like, what? <laughs> like yeah. I still remember. Just, right. What do you mean he can't jump? These are the people who made Mario, and he jumps. How does this make sense? There was sense? a controversy on, on message boards, yeah, too. Early, absolutely. Early message boards right. that ran on gas still. And <laughs> people, people were as upset as over, you know, an all-female Ghostbusters or something. Right, like, right. Yeah, I remember the other um, the other thing. This was more of a positive, I think, right from the start. Though was Z targeting. Yeah, remember Z targeting the Z trigger on the back of they the sold us in old N64. Yeah. It's basically that just lock on targeting. Yeah. But like at the time, 3D games were still in such infancy that Nintendo was really like paving the way with that, and that just became like you know yep. common knowledge immediately. Yeah. So that was Zelda one of the things out. I wrote about in that article from Space World because that was one of the things they were trying to show off in their their dungeon demo was like how the Z targeting works and how it's a big deal and it, it immediately was like combat is amazing in this game like yeah. you just knew it right off the bat it was going to be huge like the Stalfos Lizalfos battles yep. like you and, and the enemies also blocked right they right. didn't just yeah. they didn't just give you a, a simple battle they 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 kind of amped it up and really had the enemies react to you. Yeah, and, and that's like, the moment you played it, you're like, all right, I'm sold on this game. Yeah, you know? yeah, and well, and that's something that I feel has changed over the course of the series. Where like you look at Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, uh, it wasn't until Skyward Sword that I felt like enemies were the the average enemy was a problem, like a thing that was hard to sort of fight or find a way to solve the puzzle to beat them. I, I felt like in Twilight it was a little easier, and yeah. Wind Waker the same. Well, Wind Waker, uh, Wind Waker, I thought hinted at the, some of the most interesting combat in the series. I think so too. <laughs> This, no yeah, sidestepping and slicing off the armor and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I wanted them to go further. The yeah. average enemy, you're right, was was not like that. Yeah. But there, it hinted at what I thought was super interesting combat. Yeah. I just I never saw them take that ball and kind of run with it. Yeah, and I remember, uh, d- just to jump to Wind Waker for a second, but in EGM, you guys had a poster um, that had, like, all your tips for Wind Waker, and <laughs> it had, like, this flow chart of everything. It was either in the issue itself or in the poster itself, but it was a flow chart of everything you can do as... Uh, basically the Wind Waker Link and he was mm. so powerful like pluck the take every rupee take everything from him first then uh, cut yeah. him down the oh, side yeah, yeah, take yeah, his yeah. weapon cool. was, yeah. yeah I remember I annoyed the living heck out of this man because we did a let's play together and he's like <laughs> just kill it I'm like no I need Stop every torturing rupee the poor every, guy. I need everything he has first and then we will take him out but it was such a I mean that was such an entertainment entertaining element right it's like kind of the meta game like we all played Mario 64. When we ran somewhere, we didn't run, we jumped. Yeah. We did, yep, yep, Yahoo, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yahoo, slide, slide, yeah, right? And yeah. like in Zelda, it was literally like walking around, swinging that damn thing and <laughs> yeah. stealing your necklaces. And But you play Ocarina today and you still have plenty of enemies that you have to wait for an opening. You have to stay yeah. and block and wait for a chance to then swing at them. And mm. some people say, well, that hasn't aged great. I think in some ways it has aged better than some of the other parts of Zelda's combat. Mm. And granted, it's gotten better. I don't want to make it sound like, well, Ocarina did it best than no one else like that's not my point but I just I miss that edge to there's a certain way you fight this guy and I think in Twilight Princess you got there eventually there was mm-hmm. like the, the dark nuts near the end where it's like if you're not slicing off, slicing off every piece of armor you're not fighting this guy the right way and he's going to tear you apart yeah mm. and, and you know I had cool elements like you want to lead them to smash the pillars to get mm-hmm. hearts and stuff but I mean you can see mm. the foresight in this game that they wanted to give you uh, so much variety in combat that you can't could map things to the C, uh, the C buttons, right? Mm. The yellow buttons. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think that it took a lot for Nintendo to say, we're giving up camera control entirely in this game after they worked so much on Mario 64 and then instead give you this variety of ways of attacking because you could, you know, you could fight somebody with a sword and quickly switch to a boomerang or, or another weapon yeah, in yeah. Ocarina of Time to, to kind of like, as you progress and get more items, right. an enemy that may, you might have to spend more time for in the beginning, like mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. You can just go quickly stun them and do something. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the guy who gets the credit for Z-targeting, according to Legend, because I don't know if he's ever actually said it, is uh, Yoshiaki Koizumi. They say that he was the dude who sort of helped come up with that system of, he's hey, lock on. He's one of the best designers. I mean, he's the Mario Galaxy games. He's like the director of like some of their best stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I want him to make a Zelda game someday. You Me know. too. No, we I love that. Onuma, and I love the Zelda team, but I just think it would be so cool to see the team that, you know, evolved the Mario 64 into Mario Galaxy to kind of evolve Zelda into just whatever their, uh, you know, vision of Zelda. Well, and he's worked on some of their most interesting Zeldas. I mean, Link, Link's Awakening and also Majora's Mask were like big time Koizumi had a role in either planning or story. And I feel like a lot of uh, his ideas really show in those games. And then, you know, clearly Aonuma took the series in his own direction. And it's not a bad direction. But I've always kind of, in my heart, hoped Koizumi would come back to work on a Zelda. Um, but it doesn't seem to be the case. He's the Mario steward instead. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I love... I love that he has time to think about like game systems like that that can mm -hmm. that can change things forever because Z-targeting did change things. Like mm. game developers did not think about the need in third-person games to to create this lock-on. It was all about oh yeah, the camera is behind the character. It's right. almost like a first-person shooter where you point is where you look. Right. And yeah. He basically said no. What matters is this one character, and I'm going to lock onto him. And when they first showed that, mm. every developer said oh yeah, okay, exactly. and they right. started yeah. changing the yeah. game. So when you go back to like 19. 97 and you look at the early 3D games, you'll see something really important. Yeah, well, and he's a storyteller. I mean, his first job for a Zelda-related project was the art in the manual for uh, Kamigami no Triforce, <laughs> for A Link to the Past. Wow. <laughs> that was Koizumi's like, first thing he ever worked on with them. And then he grew into another role, clearly. And that's something that you sometimes see a lot over there. Like, I think uh, <coughs> another example is uh, Kento Motokora, the guy who uh, was the co-director on 3D World, also came from art. And he uh, is hmm. now directing, co-directing you know a Mario game and presumably he's on the next one like I mean we don't know you know because he hasn't at least whatever he's working on hasn't been public since um, anyway but yeah so then Z targeting but what, what else is there that sort of comes back into your mind like outside of the jumping outside of like leading up to it and if not and we've hit the ceiling on that like then when the game came out uh -huh. like let's talk about that right the, like the what re the review event uh, you, you were there, that? right? I was there. Ju is it Julius Castle or something here in San Francisco, right? It was no. Oh no, that was. I might have been to the preview event. I went. On, I went to Seattle to Nintendo's offices. They did this yeah. thing, and this was the first time they. They've done this a lot since then, but at the time, this was the first time they'd done this, where they sat you down with the game for like six or eight hours, and like just let you play as much as you could in that mm -hmm. time, uh, and then just to get like as much of the out of the game. And they did this like. Uh, treasure hunt thing through Seattle. Like, they took people around to, like, find, you know, cheesy items or whatever. It was, like, supposed to be, like, a Zelda thing or whatever. But, um... I, well, I remember the treasure hunt. I thought that was here. Uh, maybe there were two events, because you it guys might have were been. print. That's true. And it, so you had the actually, lead time. You, mm. you probably had an earlier one. You're yeah. probably right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was an incredibly cheesy treasure hunt where <laughs> a dude was standing in the middle of San Francisco dressed up as a wizard. Right. Well, we have plenty of that already. Wow. I have this <laughs> I wonderful picture of Casa Messina next to just talking like nonchalantly <laughs> with this wizard. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was a guy in like knight's armor too. Like they really tried to like 
take it out into the real world and, and entertain you when of course all we were thinking about is yeah, like just can let me you play just this let us play game. this yeah. damn game <laughs> that was a um, pretty magical experience too though because that was <laughs> me the, not the wizard the, the wizard definitely was magical yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons no but the, the playing the game pretty much done I, I had played that early version at Space World and then hadn't really played it since then so then playing the game that was kind of almost finished and, and actually just getting to like really experience the beginning of the game was very cool Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Are you serious? I just asked. I can't reach it. I don't want to reach across the table. Want another cranky cat? The for, cat the, for those listening, Pear just threw a water off the floor rather than give it to me. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. So magical experience. No, no. I like how they all quiet. They're like, what's going on? Um, yeah, no, that was, I mean, that was obviously before, and then the game came out. I mean, I don't know, um, I don't, I re- distinctly remember reviewing the game for EGM and, and, and playing the crap out of it, but we also, you know, and I've talked about this before. Actually, you know, I don't know if, if you guys have ever talked about Back in My Play. It's a podcast oh. by uh, Kevin Larrabee, friend okay. of ours, who just plays old retro games, talks about him, and we talked a bunch about Ocarina of Time on, a, on an episode, nice. you know, in the past at one point, but... After you listen to this, obviously, you should go and take yeah. a listen to that as well for yeah, some sure, more sure. stories. But um, I, I distinctly remember getting a copy of the gold cart. They sent it in this, like, treasure chest, this I still, which I still have, this, like, silver, hefty treasure chest that you would open up with the N64 logo on it, and it had the cart in it. This may have been a print-only thing. I don't know if it I was. have that chest. You have it, too? Okay. <laughs> and... Uh, I sleep in it, and I, I still, <laughs> I still have the chest and the cart, uh, and you know, so we got it like maybe two weeks early, but that was just great too, just to be able to kind of play the game unfiltered. The internet wasn't as big of a, a kind of a nuisance as far as like <laughs> spoiling stuff then mm-hmm. as it is now, but mm-hmm. even so, to yeah. be able to play through it kind of pure without mm-hmm. nobody could really help you except for like other press people, which we didn't really talk much back then, yeah. um, you know. So like to be able to play the game kind of unfiltered and pure was really really that, awesome experience, and that happened all the time. I mean, I remember a couple of N64 games where we were stuck on something and there was just nothing that you could do, <laughs> yeah. right? You, like you just had to go back and figure it out. So our review event was in San Francisco, Julius Castle. Okay. It's a, it's like a restaurant up here. I think they Nintendo frantically looked through San Francisco landmarks and tried to find something with castle in yeah. it. Or like, <laughs> Hyrule, 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 Castle, Castle, Castle. Right? White Castle. And um, so it was, uh, you had a view of the city um, up there, which none of us of course, looked at because we wanted to play the game. And so you sat there, Miyamoto was walking around and and, uh, a couple of other uh, folks were there from Japan watching everything you were doing. I mean, Mm. it's like... It is not my preferred experience with a game. I don't want somebody looking over my shoulder, the creator and like of the game, si- looking over your shoulder, judging yeah. me when I'm failing right. to lock on to. That happened enemy. to me on Star Fox Zero. Miyamoto's in the room, and I'm just like, oh my uh, God, if I fly into something, what am I going to say? That's it, that's pressure. It adds some pressure. pressure, but to the game's credit, you quickly forgot that there was anybody else there, and then you also didn't want to see the other players. Like right. you didn't want to hear yeah. like next to you and go, oh God. I wanted to figure that out. And That's right. You, we were trying to play as much of the game as possible. It may have been a preview event, not a review event, mm. now that I think about it. And they still um, do those preview events for yeah. even current Zeldas. I feel like with Skyward, I remember Jeremy mm. going to an event and playing for like six hours straight, coming back, writing a bunch of previews up, and then uh, we got the game later and we were able to then review it, which yeah. I got to do, and it was incredible. But um, still, like I could only imagine, again, that race of like, I don't want to know, I want to make yeah. sure I get through this. And it was such a magical game, right? Like It, yeah. it really was. There 
was you heard people go like, holy crap, next to you. Like whenever <laughs> you got something or when somebody got the horse, everybody's like, he's got the horse, he's got the horse. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was very, very special. And we had, you know, since we had poured over this game, you know, Hyrule Times, like over every screenshot and every theory, um, when you then play it, you realize there's so much more in it, but you also realize that some of the things that you thought were in it had disappeared. It, mm. it made for a really interesting experience. So if I can ask, um, was the existence of Young Link not known until that demo at Space World? Like, I feel like I oh, never man. saw anything about that hmm. until after I, or what I've presumed to if be those previews. If you had asked me this question at one point in the last 15 years, I could have given you a, a concrete answer, but I, I honestly it, don't remember anymore. I do remember that it was a big deal when it got revealed. I don't know if you guys remember when it happened. I yeah, don't. Yeah. But I know like when that first came out, we were kind of all blown away because I forget if it was that we knew it was young and we didn't know there was an older one or if we thought it was older and we didn't know about the young one. But we didn't mm-hmm. know about one of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I remember writing an article, something <clears throat> like Link Will Grow Up in Ocarina of Time or whatever it was called, Legend of Zelda 64, uh-huh. right? Mm, right? I remember like that leaked out through a Japanese magazine or something. Link will grow up. But we didn't know what to make of that. That's like Peter Molyneux saying the trees will grow, right? Like, <laughs> right, like, right. like what is he, like, when you level up? Is it like Zelda 2? And, like, you know, yeah, right. we, we, we didn't know. I don't remember, like, the exact moment where we saw for the first time that there are two Link models. Yeah. Um, but no. uh, but but that was uh, that was definitely a big deal. Yeah, I think just lastly before we wrap and then we just move on to one more topic and we, we call it a day is that um I think the thing that blows me away is every time I go back to it the amount of confidence they had in the dungeon design. Like you have that mm. first uh, you know the the one inside the Deku tree and then as you move forward once you become adult Link and you go to the forest temple like the rules are completely changed. You are like backtracking. You are like searching for keys and it's a puzzle to be solved with twisting mm. corridors and things that. I don't know. I just it, it it amazes me how timeless some of that stuff has been design wise. You know, despite the facelift that it got. You know, because it got a, a pretty major one when they re released it on 3ds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say focus is a big deal because they didn't just introduce a new gameplay element and then repeat it. Right? Like you didn't get a dungeon <clears throat> where then you untwist the corridors. They made they gave each each plays something very, very special and specific, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have, like, the water temple and the fire temple themes, but, like, the puzzle design, like, really differed, and you learned more and more as you progress. I I just thought, I mean, like, how often do you get do you get the luxury of game designers sitting down and really kind of mapping out this quest and you know right. I think this game did it so well yeah it was the whole package I mean moving the kind of Zelda style dungeon into 3D and it just nailed it right from the first time so where well. it's like you can't even now imagine it really any other way every other Zelda since then has really just been iterating on and perfecting you know that kind of I mean, it's the same mechanic that the old games had, too, like finding the keys and then the master key and then the item per the dungeon, and the dungeon kind of teaches you to use the item and, and that, that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, like having to go into first person every once in a while mm-hmm. for certain things mm-hmm. and, like, you know, there were really interesting elements and interesting use of the 3D. You could almost see the designers, same way as in Mario 64, kind of experimenting and coming to grips with what it meant to then now be able to be in 3D, to be able to shoot yeah. and aim arrows and, mm-hmm. you know, aim the boomerang and do yeah. things like that. And, um, and Phantom Ganon, th- right? Like, that's the one that everyone was like... <laughs> By that time, yeah, they taught you how to aim and to expect, like, the, uh, you know, this battle that goes in 360, but... The very first dungeon, the Deku Tree. Do you remember? You step into this thing and it goes, and then the camera like goes goes up and it like shows you everything yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that's right. And like basically just says, 
uh, this is not just about what's in front of you. Right. You got to look around. Go you got to figure this out. Yeah. And they do it without a word. They do right. it without yeah. a, hey, listen, right? Like, they just show it to you, which was That's really true. cool. That is interesting that the very first dungeon has that huge Two. vertical element to it, which yes, is, like, obviously, floors. A, we're in 3D now. And like, you're going to be going up. Mm -hmm. And know. the exit is right where you are. It's the spider web. You got to right. crash. Right, and then it, it ends through, up going right? back down. Yeah. yeah which and that was cool. actually asking a lot of the audience, mm. you know, like, yeah. that you got to figure out to get up there, jump down. Well, they did a good job of, like having the camera sort of hint at you where you should be looking mm -hmm. or what you should be thinking about. Right. I think that game, the one, I've told this story before, but I just like to tell it because it was really, it's really my strongest memory of that game is the first time that I got to the Forest Temple. I was really deep into the game. It was like Thanksgiving break and I was just like at home in my room, like not leaving the room, playing the game all day. First time I got to the Forest Temple, the atmosphere of, the, the, of those dungeons, especially when you became an adult and got to like the real dungeons, um, was so strong that I, I had this moment where I forgot that I was playing the game. Like, I just was, like, so absorbed that, like, I had this, like, moment where it was, like, I popped back out. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. I'm, like, so into this, so absorbed. And, I mean, you look at it now and you're like, well, whatever. Right, but back then know. it was, like, sure. the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. was, like, to me just, like, the ultimate, like, compliment to the game design, I think. Like, that you can make something that could have you feel that immersed in it, you know. Yeah. You, just, it was magical. Yeah. Use that word again. Yeah, you absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely forget, you know, your place in the real living room when you're playing it. But then once in a while when you pause and you step away, you realize, like, all the little game systems and elements that went into pulling that off. Just, mm. like, think about it. You enter a room. They do two things. They orient the camera behind you so you know, oh, the door that was that I came through is behind me, right? Like, right. remember, it's got this 3D perspective. So, like, in Mario, it was different. Like, you might walk into a room and, like, the camera is in a different angle. But they, they do these little subtle camera, camera orientation tricks. Then on the map, they mark where you came in. Right. right. Like, they show you all, they give you all this help to, uh, to find your way through a 3D space, which was not something we did in yeah, games. Yeah, you take it for time. granted now, but they really had to think had to all that it. stuff through. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, totally. All right, well, thank you very much for, for uh, you know, kind of digging back into history there. Um, I just, <laughs> Thanks it, it for making us feel me. old again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I apologize. Uh, here's something to make you feel young then, uh, is that uh, <laughs> I want to know, and hopefully, I don't think we'll come to an answer here, but uh, a week ago, roughly, Aonuma made a comment uh, to Famitsu in an interview. Um, <clears throat> now, this interview was Obviously, about Twilight Princess HD, which just came out in Japan last week. Uh, and apparently, outsold Wind Waker HD uh, really? in its first week. Oh, if that's that, wow, really? I read that somewhere. Okay, yeah. okay. No, I, I mean, I'd believe which it. Surprised me too, right? Yeah, like, no, uh, well, the, we I think love the market it. has probably. I mean, the install base after Splatoon has probably grown quite a bit, though, right? Since yeah. Wind Waker came out, so that might be a part of it. I that would could imagine. be it. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, so during this interview, though, for me to ask, so you know, how's Zelda coming along? And you know, at the at the time, he. He said this, the key word here is that this would be something new, that he acknowledged Ocarina of Time was a huge leap for the Zelda series. And since then, you know, he thinks the base of our secret sauce has always been Ocarina of Time. Like, mm -hmm. it was something that you kind of knew as a Zelda fan, but you never really had anyone say it, right? Or, I, no, we said it all the time. Oh, you guys did. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I feel I mean, like I, I haven't heard it enough, and I, I've heard <laughs> you guys plenty of times. I don't know. No, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's something that every Zelda fan... I mean, I think this is Nintendo catching up with where I think Zelda fans probably were before Skyward Sword, where mm. it was like, okay, we're, we're after Twilight Princess is kind of the, like, really retreating back to the model, and that was great that we enjoyed sure. that. Now let's go on to the next thing. And then Nintendo tried one more time. They had, like, you know, some motion controls and did some yeah, yeah. stuff. But, but yeah, I, I think, like, 
that's at least what we've been talking about a lot on uh, the Four Play podcast. That's right, uh, right, check your local right. Listings. Uh, <laughs> what we've talked about a lot uh, since before then was like, let, it's time to like shake up the formula. As much as we love that formula, as much yeah, as we yeah, loved yeah. Ocarina of Time. Well, this is the exciting part, right? Yeah. Direct quote. But this time, the change in flavor will be like going from Japanese food to Western style food. Perhaps players will be surprised. And he's been teasing this, right? I have something mm-hmm. in mind for an open world game. Mm-hmm. I really can't wait to share it. And by God, you need to share it already because I don't know if I could take it's, much more of this. It's a scary. I mean, it's a, it's it's interesting. It's tantalizing, but it's also scary, right? Yes. Right. Like, if if that means you know mixing up the way the world feels and giving you like a different sense of freedom, then I like it, right? But let's also not forget that, like, the original Legend of Zelda pioneered that freedom that we right. see in games like That's Elder Scrolls, actually, yeah. right? And yeah. so I want to make sure it's, like, it's not just we realize all the good stuff that has happened in Western RPGs. And I love them. I play all the big, big, you know, Bethesda games and, yeah. and everything. But, but, but I, want, I want that unique touch that, you know, this right. Japanese development mm. team brought to the formula back then. But do you think, I think a lot of people interpreted this as Western influences. So I, think, I got worried mm, by that. Yeah. I don't think that's what he meant at all. I think the analogy, like, it's a little scary to some people because they're like, oh, I, I kind of like the Japanese food or whatever. And so <laughs> I don't I want think, hamburgers in my Zelda. I think maybe that was a little intentional because obviously open world games are more prevalent right, right now in the yes. West and it wasn't accidental. But I think, to your point, Pear, I think they're incapable of not not being intended. not being that right like i think in a lot of ways we talked about this a lot too it's exactly what you're talking about it's returning a lot to like zelda 1 yeah very first nes zelda right um Absolutely. is what we're kind of expecting from from and, this game and, and that tried kind of freedom with, uh, with uh, you know, between, worlds between worlds did, tried that a little bit yeah, yeah. Ex- absolutely i think yeah. that was them experimenting with totally. some of the kind of concepts of doing things out of order quote unquote or, i think that was their way he may have even said this before i don't know but if not like i kind of invented this quote in my head but i mean i think he basically in link between worlds is like we are, in order for us to understand it we have to make it ourselves once and that's why mm-hmm. it's so similar to yeah. a link to the past it's like like, let's make an old-school Zelda game that doesn't really hold your hand, that kind of embraces the basic mechanics of what made Zelda Zelda back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now we have that experience. Now let's take that and kind of put that into a new Zelda. Yeah. And I think also, like, personally, we and, and we have talked about this a ton on, the po- on our podcast, but, like, uh, it's definitely going to be, I think... Yeah, well, we know it's going to be open world, right? But it's definitely going to be, like, a throwback, I think, to the first Zelda. And I think, like, after playing Dark Souls... To me, Dark Souls is the modern version of the first Zelda, like in a lot mm. of ways. And I feel like that, I, I don't I don't know if Al Newman's ever played Dark Souls, but mm. I kind of hope he did because I feel like that, to me, is where I wanted Zelda to yeah. be going in, in the first place. So Not Dark that, Souls 2. Yeah, Souls no, 1. no. But that that every time that comes up, I feel like that scares a lot of people too because they're just like, well, Dark Souls is too hard. And, and they latch well, on to like, that part of yeah, that. Yeah, so a lot of people like, equate Dark yeah, Souls I to difficulty, so. yeah. but you're talking more about like the freedom and also the interconnecting of the world. And, uh, and the ability yeah, to go anywhere. Like, I want to be able to go yeah. wherever the hell I want when the, when the new Zelda starts. I don't want to be taken along a path. I don't want some sidekick like telling me stuff every two minutes. Like mm-hmm. There was a part in Skyward Sword where like the, what was it, the I forgot what like object she was. You know your 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 sidekick thing. Oh, fine. She comes out yeah. of your sword. She yeah, like yeah. before I even had a chance to look. She's like 
maybe you should go around the corner yeah, and look for a treasure yeah, or something. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that's not what I want. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. I feel like this time, though, what, what we're hoping for and expecting, at least, is, like, to be able to go anywhere, do anything, and have an interconnected world. It doesn't have to be super hard, yeah. but it also should not hold your hand at all, yeah, you know? And, and, and as much as I love the old, um, you know, the old gameplay elements, like, when you see a hookshot target, you know, oh, there's a hookshot in the game. I would love them to shake that up, too, so that right. you can't you can't immediately read the landscape and know what to do. But I, I find one thing is really interesting. First, first of all, look at the last Metal Gear, right? A Japanese-made game that feels very, very Western in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? It still has that weird, quirky kind of Kojima factor to it, yeah. but it but it has this element that does feel different from an Elder Scrolls or Fallout. Like in a, a lot of encounters in in Western open world RPGs feel like they're they're generated on the fly, on the fly. Whereas like I do think you know Japanese games have a little bit more of that kind of scripted element that creates this more careful pacing. And I always remember Majora's Mask. Like you follow the postman. And, like, it just feels so cool. Like, you get the sense that this guy is on this path. And within that game, it makes so much sense because you travel back in time. And so you got this Groundhog Day feel of, right. like, oh, my God, he does this every day. So I have to disrupt that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a clever thing. Like, I haven't seen that in another game. No, and so I'm yeah. hoping they preserve yeah. that in this open world, that there is this kind of path element rather than, oh, random encounter, giant spider comes out of the hills and you defeat it. Mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. which which is a little bit more Western or, style. Or, yeah. Yeah, or did Dongo again yeah. or something like that and to uh, Majora's Mask credit that is the best town I think they've ever done oh yeah of place where like everyone had a little routine there were all these little missions it in was place. alive yeah. I do think it will be interesting I mean even going back to talking about the Ocarina of Time setting the mold and stuff I do think it will be interesting to see if the next one opens with you in a village and how <laughs> quickly you get out of that village if they if they set the village as mm-hmm. again here's the tutorial thing because I think that's also getting a little tired. Yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting to see how quickly, how it's going to teach you a tutorial, yeah. you know. I wanted to start the way the manual did on Zelda 1. It's like, I forget exactly what it said. You know, it's like a long time ago, the yeah. world's in Age of Chaos, and like this dude just showed up. And I just want to like show up. Let me just like, I'm, I want to start the game no walking sword. through the woods. Like, just you like, like, you know what I mean? Not yeah. even have yeah. a sword. You, you don't know find, how you got find there. Your sword yeah. or yeah. Nobody's telling you. First. Yeah. Exactly. No one knows who you are, <laughs> maybe. I do want to say too, though, that, and this is the thing, and we'll end on this, I guess, but the way Aonuma chose to reveal this game, or the way Nintendo chose to reveal this game, has been running through my mind constantly. Because we have mm. seen plenty of Zelda reveals in our time. And it is always Link in Green Tunic doing Link in Green Tunic things, heroic <laughs> things. Like, you know, I mean, who can forget the 2004 uh, you know, Zelda reveal where you know that game eventually became Twilight Princess? Yep. Sure. But every time I feel that has, the constant has been just this thing you've always seen before in a familiar way. And here you have the next Legend of Zelda, no tunic, on horseback, the horse has always been a thing, whatever. Looking badass, shooting arrows and doing like flipping off horses and, and things. I mean, jumping off a of horse, flipping not off flipping horses. them off. <laughs> <laughs> up, up yours, horse. Up yours, horse. Um, no, but it just sticks out in my mind is like this thing that. Um, are you trying to say something here? Are you trying to tell me that I'm going to be doing super cool stuff from the start before I even put on that outfit? Are you trying to say that? I can't wait to talk to him again. And I don't, you know, God willing, E3, this is it, right? You're going to have something to I say. Hope so. so you're talking about the reveal where they're sitting in front of the screen in the back, right? Like you've got like the world. Do you mean like the original reveal and then Link comes in and they cut to the footage, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I, I thought that reveal was really interesting because they used Zelda as a wallpaper, man. Like, they had it behind <laughs> them the whole time. And I think the point was it's about the world. Exactly. Like, this time it's See, real. It's I don't know if living was even there. Well, it was just grass and No, no well, and he's thing. just sitting there the whole time. But but then why not have Link in Link armor do or Link outfits doing Link-like things? Like, I, I just, I didn't get that from this. And I almost feel like maybe I'm getting my hopes up. But I do wonder well, if that's part of what he's trying to address here. I know it's heresy to some fans, but I actually would have been really happy and will still be real happy if it turns out that Link is a woman like just because it's like mix it up like yeah. give us something new and different Maybe not heresy on this podcast you are absolutely right yeah I, I would, would love like, just to have it be different yeah and yeah. to explain that I mean the viewpoint we've we've said this before is that it's a repeating storyline with a different hero right like it's not like Samus it's one character Link is a different right. Link in so many stories right like someone who's chosen and then picks up the the, the sword and the tunic and becomes the uh, becomes the hero so I, I do think it would work with that and it almost feels like it's too on the nose, though. You know, Nintendo doesn't do things just because you're expecting it. Mm. Right, and, like, right. All the talk about whether he, whether you know, the character in the demo is male or female. I, I bet it's, you know, it is going to be traditional Link. The, I mean, the other interpretation of the costume was: it, is this a game? Again, going back to Western RPGs with more customization, yeah. do you re- uh, can you choose mm-hmm. a little bit more what Link looks like? Yeah. You know, is it you can wear the green tunic, but guess what? If you like these uh, duds better, you can wear those, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If it's going to be an open world game and maybe something else, they'll they'll tack on more is like this yeah, idea of loot and upgrading armor yeah. and like wearing lots of different yeah. stuff. Yeah. And they've been playing around with upgrading items. I mean, Link Between Worlds, Skyward, those Shields. are systems they messed around with. You know, being able to sort of change the things that you got in the world. Um, but we've got to go because I know you guys uh, have a place to be. And I actually messed up at the start of this podcast because I did not start out by reminding people what you do. Ah, you yes. guys work was... in Japan at 8-4, which so is so well awesome known and look. so famous <laughs> that no, no introduction necessary. At um, this point, you've been on this show before. <laughs> I mean, true. both no, of I mean, you, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. you're returning guests. Uh, but if it's your first time listening, yep. give them the elevator pitch. Who are you? Uh, so yeah, we both work at a company called 8.4 out of Tokyo. Um, we do a lot of, uh, of game localizations. We have worked on some Nintendo uh, properties before, but um, we're here at GDC. We handle the Japanese speakers. Um, we do lots of different stuff. Um, we you handle meaning... You're translating in the, that's in right. the panels. There's a caravan. You're also making sure nobody runs into a car. That's right. We we hold their hands, on the wrong get side them here. Um, yeah, we we set up the the talks and then walk people through the process and just get them here Great. and then Interpret handle for the, them, handle the interpretation yeah. and stuff and like that. What was your last project that you worked on? Like uh, the Nintendo game. one was awesome. What was game, the last Nintendo uh, one? The last big game was Xenoblade Chronicles X. No, there you uh, go. That was a lot was of work, a huh? Huge, yes. huge isn't yeah. It doesn't even begin to describe it. A project that we worked on for about a year. Um, and we we do little games too. We did like Neko Atsume, the mobile game, which nice. is super uh, popular right now. Right. Um, so you know, that's cool. From from little mobile games to <laughs> big RPGs. You should translate Mother Three. That'd be nice. <laughs> we would love to translate Mother Three, <laughs> that Nintendo. Would be fun. Okay. But, uh, Maybe yeah. we'll pull our money and we'll just pay you ourselves. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. But thanks a lot for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. No, and thank you, uh, listener, for checking out and listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We're a weekly show on IGN. You can leave us feedback by going to mvc at ign.com or head on over to iTunes, leave us a show review. Where can they find your wonderful work, uh, gentlemen? So uh, the A4 Play podcast, you can find up on iTunes. That's the little podcast we do about uh, Japanese games. Um, well, just games in Japan and Japanese games. <laughs> but um, that's up uh, every other week. Um, you can uh, also find us uh, at 8-4.jp. Yep. Um, or on Twitter. 
Twitter is 84Play for the podcast, or I'm uh, John TV. And I'm Mark McD. And you are? I'm Pear. On Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, I'm at Jose underscore Otero. Thank you so much again for coming in, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat. Goodbye. Thanks. there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut melanie linsky i wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet jason ritter i can break things and pick locks and kill people michael stuhlbarg the whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better ari grainer no don't whet its appetite what are you an idiot me justin bartha that's not just any egg cream that's a lemke's special and all narrated by the hilarious richard kind this is the story of harry dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.